This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 166. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my big, bald, beautiful, green-shirted co-host, Christopher J. Graham. (laughs) Hi, Chris. Hey, man. I wanted to switch it up today. This is like one of my favorite t-shirts from college, and it's got holes in it, and I like it. It makes me feel young. Well, that's adorable. <laughs> so today's episode, we have a treat for you. We're interviewing Mike Michalowicz, who is a New York Times bestselling author. He's got so many books, over a million readers. Like this dude is absolutely legit. And not only that, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Huge fan. Yeah. Chris Graham is a super fan of this guy. And we bring up a great conversation about marketing, about differentiation, about, I mean, Chris, do you want to talk about the episode? Yeah, what, dude. What people so are in well, for today? Well, let, me start, let me start with this, like with a quick story. That's my Chris right there. Instead of bullet points and in great stuff. He's going to give a tedious story. A tedious go, go story. Yeah. Okay. So Mike reached out to me uh, probably six or seven years ago before he kind of exploded because I used to write Amazon book reviews for business books all the time. And I was at this stage where like I didn't have three kids yet and I had a lot more free time on my hands. And so I'm just like reading business books constantly and then writing a review. And I just, it was a wonderful chapter in life. And I got an email one day. I don't know how Mike got my email, but somehow I got it from Amazon and was like, hey, can I send you this book, The Pumpkin Plan? And if you like it, will you just write a review? No pressure. Just like whatever you want to do, just write an honest review. And I was like, yeah. And he sent me the book and it was transformative for me. It was one of the better business books I'd ever read. We've talked about it a number of times yes. on the podcast before. That's my favorite book from him so far, at least. But what was so liberating about Mike, and I think what makes him like one of the most perfect guests we could possibly have on this show is that Mike is a liberated entrepreneur. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. He, he is not constrained by other people's ideas and rules. He's totally himself and he's a badass. but at the same time, like, I think he could probably beat me up. I think if we got in a fight, I think he could probably take me, but he's also goofy and he has a lot of eccentricities. And I love that about him, that he has leaned into I'm going to be different. I'm going to be somebody that nobody else has been and therefore the best in the world. Yeah. And that's the kind of person that you can, you can get that person to teach you about being different, which is what his new book is. And it talks about, and it's all about marketing and being different. And, and I think you put it a lot more politically correct, not even politically correct, just, just nice. I literally called him to his face on the interview. Weird. You said, I don't know what you just said, but it wasn't the word liberated. Weird. Liberated. Yeah. That's a nicer yeah. way of putting weird, weird in a great way, a little eccentric, but yeah, this interview is, is a lot of fun. So Chris, before we get into the interview today, you came to Nashville recently and we got to hang out and be buddies. It was so fun. And I'm you coming stayed, back in like two weeks. Yeah. You stayed like right behind me in our guest bedroom. Oh, and, weird. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's such a brain buster for me because I've interacted with you so much over the internet, but that was the first time I had been to your new house. And now I've been to your new house, but now you're back on the internet. (laughs) So for those who don't already know this, like Chris and I live in different cities. We sound like we're sitting next to each other, but Chris is in Columbus, Ohio, unfortunately, the, 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 the coffee stain of America. And then I live in amazing Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to say there's something way meaner than the coffee stain, but I was like, this is a little more, (laughs) this is a little better. I think coffee stain sounds good. You can use an imagination here. I don't know what you're talking about. We're like a little miniature Nashville up here. Uh, no, 
you've never been and you refuse to come. There's some exactly. there's some issues there, Brian. Yeah, yeah. But you came down for uh, for Nam for so we had summer Nam here, which was the most underwhelming Nam I've ever been to. Nam, for those of you that don't know, is like this big giant trade show where all the companies that make products that make musical noises all come together and you just like walk around and see all the fun people in your industry and yeah. play with toys. And yeah. so it's in Nashville in the summer and then it's in Anaheim in the winter. The winter one's the one you want to go to, but yeah, it was great to hang out. It was the first time you came to Nashville to hang out with. No, it's not the first time. It's the first time at this new house, but yeah, I'm glad we got to hang out together. And uh, it's been the first time we've seen each other since all the COVID crap went down. So yeah. Well, and the best part of that is like you were kicking my ass. I'm in this weird, this weird spot right now where you know, I'm trying to navigate the success of this podcast. And as I'm doing that, I'm learning that like, I'm, my superpower is systems and I need to niche to focus on helping people with systems more than anything else that I'm doing. It was really encouraging. And I, I really appreciate yeah, I was, you, I was mean to you at You times. beat the hell out of me and yeah. I needed it. And it was it like was, a boot camp. So Chris and I are both Enneagram eights. If you know what the Enneagram is, it's, it's just a personality thing. And the way you speak to an eight, is by just driving a hammer into their skull with like how they need to do things. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I have another. Yeah, that's how I like to be taught as well. But that does not work for other personalities. You cannot do that to my wife, who's an Enneagram like four, and they need to be guided. They need to be more gentle. I more, bonded yeah. with your wife so much on yeah, this she's a, trip. She's an amazing human being, and everyone bonds with her because she's the most bubbly, amazing human. So I can't we we had you. a really cool moment where we were talking. She had gone to a yoga class. I hope I'm not like busting her out it. here. Just but do it. She went to a yoga class. And sometimes when you're in a yoga class, you got to quit. Hot you, yoga. Yeah, you especially gotta, hot yoga. You got to leave. 110 degrees. It's not even necessarily a physical issue as much as sometimes it's like the right thing to do for yourself emotionally is to get the hell out of this room. And your wife had a yoga class like that. And it was so cool. She talked about it. And I was like, I've done that. Like, you ain't doing yoga if you've never had to leave a class for emotional reasons. Like you weren't, you're, you're, I'm serious. You're not doing it right. And it was really cool to be like, oh my gosh. Like if you haven't listened to this podcast for a long time, Chris does yoga as well. <laughs> so y'all, y'all could be yoga BFFs. Yeah. Yoga is, I was thinking the next time I come down, maybe me and Megan will go to a yoga class because yeah. I would, I need some yoga variety in my life. More teachers, more classrooms. I'll kick your ass with business. My wife's yoga class will kick your ass with hot yoga. Like, cause they're, they're intense. You do like the, what is the stuff you do? Vinyasa or something like super calm and chill. Um, and like, I do a lot of Hatha. Hatha, um, sorry. Vinyasa like is the little harder, there, isn't it? I yeah, Vinyasa is harder. Power yeah. yoga, which is what Megan was doing this. Okay, power yoga. That's a, the, that's a the level stuff that, above like, that. Yeah, like football players and stuff are in there with her. It's like, it's intense. Yeah, I love it, man. Yep. So we should probably transition into the interview here with Mike, but uh, it's good. It was awesome to have you down here, man. Dude, it was so fun. Like it, it was healing for me. It was the first trip I've made post-COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, my, and again, my wife and I should be in Europe the time this interview comes out. Assuming that Delta hasn't taken over the Delta variant because it's just, it's not looking great right now. It's July, the end of July right now. And I'm not stoked about what's happening and I'm a little worried, but we'll, by now it's already either sorted itself out or I'm stuck in America still, but that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. So I think it's a good time to, to shift an interview uh, with Mike McCallowitz. Chris, anything, any last words before the interview? Here we go. Oh my God. Here's our, <laughs> here's our interview. Go, go listen to it. Y'all are amazing. Mike, welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Brian, it's a joy to be with you. And, and thanks for the beginner lesson in production with a one, two, three clap. We got the <laughs> rhythm down, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you have an entire book on systems called Clockwork. And so we're big on systems ourselves and making sure we have checklists for everything. So whenever, whenever we had the option of, of reaching out to you and trying to get you on the podcast, 
I was personally stoked as hell to get you on here because not only am I a fan of all your work, Chris is a huge fan of all your work. You've got tons of books for pretty much every stage of being in the entrepreneur journey. And we've talked about many of your books on our podcast before, but not only that, but you seem to hold this like high legendary regard as like this, 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 I don't know what to say. You're, you're like this perfect combination of like the guy next door. Amazing entrepreneur, great teacher, and I kind you're of a weirdo. You're this like legendary douchebag or something. Ready, no, 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 no. I'm ready no. for you to drop it. <laughs> and legendary douchebag, which is the oh best God, of all the company. No, 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 no. But but you're a little bit weird, which is what yeah. we love about you because yes. like we crave that sort of like uniqueness, and and so that's one of the some of the stuff I think we're going to talk oh, about. I love today. it. So just to really give our audience a few things just to take away. So they know who they're, who they're talking to or listening to on this podcast. Mike has built and sold uh, two multi-million dollar companies. And I think you've built two more since then in that time frame. And you have, I mean, you have, I'm just going to list your books off really quick sure. for everyone. The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur was your first book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And that's about building your first business. Mm-hmm. The Pumpkin Plan was one of my personal favorites. It's about how to grow fast and strong. The third book, uh, Clockwork, is about getting your time back. These may be out of order, but this is this is just an intro to all your books. It's about uh, getting your time back and building systems in your business. Profit First is your biggest book, I believe, yeah, over a million sure, readers. Sure. Yes. And it's about making more money. It's about making profit. And then you have a book called Surge after that, which is about becoming the industry leader. Yeah. And now you have another book coming out called Get Different. And that's about marketing your business. And I think that's really where we're going to settle in this interview is just talking about marketing. Yeah. So just to kick things off here, I want to read just a short excerpt from the intro of your book that I think really sets the stage for the rest of this interview. Sure. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to release you on this because you're the expert here. And I don't want to be talking. I'm already talking too much. But you say this, you offer something people need, something a lot of people will love, or at least something a lot of people would love if they only knew about it. What good is your offer or your service in our, in our creative yeah. world? What good is your offer or your service if no one knows it exists? The lack of marketing, good, effective, Different marketing is the driving reason for small business mediocrity and stunted growth. Too many great products and services languish in obscurity. Yeah. This is speaking to the hearts of creatives. So many of us are amazing at what we do, but no one knows about it. Yes, exactly. So let's, let's start from the very beginning of you talk about it's your responsibility or your duty to market yourself. Yeah, I, I, um, do, you know, do conferences. Thank God they're coming back with this COVID situation being stabilized. I informally survey folks. I'll say, who in here, honestly, in some capacity is better than your competition? Really is better than the competition in, in some capacity or all. And every hand goes up. And it should. Small businesses in particular are more nimble. The owner has more vested in a successful outcome of serving the clients well. Small businesses just general, in general are better. And then I said, okay, if you're better than the competition, you have a damn responsibility to market accordingly. Because the only thing that clients know about your business, the only experience they have until they do business with you is your marketing. But then I ask people, I say, so, uh, so tell me how you market. I want to know like best practices here. And it's always the same thing. Client referral, word of mouth, my website. And I'm like, oh my God, we're, we're in deep trouble here. Client referral is wonderful. It's an acknowledgement that your services, the creativity is extraordinary. They think so highly of you, they're referring you to the people that they know and trust. That is the ultimate recognition. The problem is you're at the whim of the customer to do marketing for you. So the day they say, I'm not going to market for you, or, or they go out of business, or they stop liking you, you're screwed. So client referral, word of mouth, that type of stuff is icing on the cake, but it surely ain't the cake. 
you know, we need to some way to deliberately drive business toward ourselves, something that's noticeable, something that represents who we are before they really know who we are. You mentioned something about not just relying on word of mouth. What's so wrong with just relying on word of mouth? If, you know, as creatives, we, we don't, we're kind of allergic to marketing, it seems. So we just want to just let our clients tell everyone about us. What's so bad about just relying on that? Yeah. So, so there's, there's no ability to throttle that one day you get two or three leads. You're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And then like a month later, it's like, why is no one sending me business? And I'll tell you a typical experience that small business has around this lived it was I would go into these like panic service modes because I got two or three referrals in a short period. I felt great, but now I got to service it. So I'm not focusing on sales or anything. Then when the service would dry up, cause I was done doing the work I had to do, then it was a panic. Like, I need work badly. It was so unpredictable. I couldn't grow. Like, how do you hire people when you don't know when business is coming or not? So that prevents growth. And uh, if you're at the whim of your customers, it's going to prohibit you from growing because you, you, you don't have any ability to throttle it. I'm not saying ignore that stuff. It's wonderful. But again, it's the icing on the cake. We got to find a way to deliberately drive leads as we desire, throttle it up, or if we want, throttle it down, but to maintain a constant stream. So how, how do we go about doing that? Because I, I can speak from experience, the feast or famine nature of being a freelancer as a creative. It's it's exactly what you said. You get a handful of leads one month and then you're dry for like two months and you're like, I guess I'm going to go get a job somewhere. Oh God, which is like the, <laughs> the, the, the sword to the heart for freelancers and entrepreneurs. Yep. Yeah. My wife, went, I was struggling with so much once my wife's like, you got to get a job. And I, I felt like she's kicked me in the nuts. And she did after that. <laughs> she, was, she was pissed <laughs> at me. The, how we go about it is first we look at what, the industry does to market currently. So it's usually considered industry best practices. And usually that's the least effective form of marketing. And here's why the human mind, I, I spent a lot of time studying this for this book is wired to actually to ignore our primary function of the mind is to prevent the input of information because the vast majority of information is irrelevant. You, know, you look around mm. your desk right now, wherever you're sitting, there's tons of stuff that could draw our attention. I, I got a, a purple pen here. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for hours, like about this pen, what's purple, who invented the word purple, why does the color look this way, blah, 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 blah. But my mind is designed to say, oh, irrelevant. But our mind does allow three things through. One are threats. So if some guy walks in here with a gun, and uh, by the way, I don't know if I told you guys, I live in New Jersey. It's like a 50-50 here. Like someone will walk in with a gun. <laughs> if, if, if someone walks in with a gun, like they have my attention. It's very poor marketing though, because it's a threat, meaning I'm going to either be in a combative mode, protect myself or run away, but I'm not going to be engaged. The second mode is opportunity. So when an opportunity presents itself, if I was being with you guys and said, Hey, uh, I want to tell you about my services. Here's a million dollars I'll put on the table so we can have a conversation. You will pay attention, but the, the risk now is me because you may say, well, thanks for the million dollars. And you walk out the door, not interested. And I've lost all that money. But there's a third way into our mind. And what it is, is through the unexpected. When something unexpected presents itself, the human mind is wired to pay absolute attention to it because it can be an opportunity or a threat. It needs to be evaluated. And a classic example is if we were meeting outside, maybe having this conversation, like something wiggles in the grass, we're, we're paying attention. We're jumping back because that could be a snake, uh, but it could be someone turned the hose on. We don't know, but our mind focuses on that because our life depends on it. Well, this works with mail and uh, mail with marketing. And I'm thinking of the mail. Like if you ever notice when you get junk mail, how quickly you rifle through that stuff and, and throw in the recycle bin, because our mind knows it can be ignored. We move at this lightning speed. 
But sometimes there's something in the mail that's an opportunity, a check, and we stop. We're like, oh, this is of interest. I'll open this one carefully. We store it away. Rare, hopefully never, but there could be a threat. Maybe some white powder slips out. You'll be like, oh, sugar. I got to. <laughs> <laughs> um, little anthrax throw back there. Little, little anthrax, exactly. Could happen. And then the, the third thing that does, does work, though, is unexpected mail. So you get that, like a box from someone, you're like, oh, did I order something? It triggers that curiosity. That's why they say lumpy mail is effective because it's different and unexpected. It invokes curiosity, interest, and engagement. In our marketing, industry best practices kind of become ignorable. It's another purple pen. What can we do that no one else is doing? And it doesn't have to be grandiose, just in small ways. So there's a quote that really changed my life in Pumpkin Plan that I want to read. It's right on with this. It says, the key to explosive growth is competing reasonably well in every area your competitor competes in and then blowing them away in one category. It really is that simple. Be in the ballpark for everything you do except for one thing. For that one thing, swing for the fences. And oh, man, that that is so cool. That was such a revelation to me because it, in my world, I was an audio, I was an audio mastering engineer, and we all just try to be each other. And there's not a whole lot of like differentiation within that, within our, our industry as a whole. And it was just so cool and so liberating for me as a, as a troublemaker growing up to be like, wait, what? <laughs> He's given me permission to be like, to disrupt and to be a bad guy, a bad kid. Like it's probably the best thing you can do. And I think the best part, Brian, is that it only needs to be one thing. It doesn't have to be everything. I think it's overwhelming saying, you must be different. And we're like, well, there's so many things that are different. I can't do this. And we just, I'll give you a hack that I don't think I included in that book, but this is an extraordinary hack. If you want more customers like your best customer, and I think all of us do, go to your best customer and ask them one question. What am I doing right? This is a Jedi mind trick question. I'll give you an example. I, I used to be in uh, computer services. That was my first business. And I would go out and do these technical installs. My best client was a hedge fund. I said, what am I doing right? And they said, you know, our last computer company took a full day to respond. We're a hedge fund where we trade stock. If our system goes down, you know, we have backup systems, but we need to be up fast. You respond typically within three hours. What you do right is response time. Now, here's the Jedi mind trick. It is not what you're doing right. It's actually the number one thing you must improve. Because it's what your client is judging you on. That, kind, that guy says, I watch how quickly you respond. And I like that you respond in three hours. But I also knew if I could respond in a half hour, you'd be blown away. And that's exactly what I did. I started dispatching my technicians. And I, I actually got to say dispatching technicians because I was a technician. It was myself. I would send myself out to a client that was in the constant radius of him. And if he called, I'd tell an existing client, hey, I got an emergency. I'll be back as soon as I can, but I have to head out to this. I started catering to him. He was blown away. And I started getting a reputation in the hedge fund industry for rapid response because that was the number one factor, judgment factor, the thing I'm doing right. That was the one thing. That was my one differentiator. I was good at computers. I was good. Just, but so was everybody else. But no one could beat the speed I can get to site. Uh, and that's how I stood out. So I actually, I actually want to, to, to mention something though. I actually separate in my brain like marketing and the quality of my work into two different areas because this goes back to the quote I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, where if you could be the best in the world at what you do, you could be the fastest responder. But if no one knows you exist, it doesn't matter. So let's, let's, talk, let's go back to this, this marketing conversation and talk through, like, how do you actually stand out as a, in your marketing? How do you stand out? Because, and you mentioned the mm -hmm. differentiation thing. This really comes down to something we talk about all the time, which is differentiation. How does one differentiate? Because it's, 
Easier said than done. Totally, totally. And and Brian, I'm sorry, Chris. I called you, Brian. I, I, oh, it's okay. Don't worry I feel about like it. I told Jerk now. It's like, oh, worry about <laughs> no, don't worry about this it. This is the worst f-ing interview ever. This guy is a douchebag. <laughs> We're just gonna sh- talk you at the end of the so interview. So it's Chris, okay. It's okay. Whenever you leave, whenever I you leave. The apology, though, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> so, Brian, the, the the way to stand out. Uh, the, one thing you do is uh, look at other industries and do some R and D. R and D stands for rip off and duplicate. Like. <laughs> You know, what, what are other industries doing that you can steal into your industry? When I became an author, the first thing I did is I, I asked other authors, how do you market? And uh, they told me the best practices. I was like, okay, those are things not to do. I mean, I'm not saying avoid them. In some cases, it's mandated that you have a listing on Amazon. Like, you know, everyone does. But I knew it wouldn't help me stand out and get noticed. So I looked at what other industries were doing, and I got invited to speak at a cleaning conference. So I attended the entire conference really as a guest and spoke for a little bit. Well, one guy's like, oh, on the back of books, I put an 800, on the back of products, I put an 800 number. When someone's in a supermarket buying a cleaning product and they're on the fence about buying it, if it says pre-recorded message and 800 number, they will call that number. And we, about 50% of the people that call that buy the book or buy the product. Well, I put this on my book. It's actually on the pumpkin plan. It's no longer active, but on the dust jacket, I don't know if you have the dust jacket. I don't have the dust jacket. Oh. Uh. <laughs> on the dust jacket, in the back left, it said, call the pre-recorded message to learn about this book. And this is when Amazon and bookstores were, were not being dominated yet by Amazon. So it was at Barnes and Nobles and so forth, and people started calling the numbers. That, that started resulting in more sales. So step one is look outside your industry and take ideas elsewhere and bring them into yours. Is that is the entire purpose of this podcast. We were uh, a podcast for people that worked in the music industry. And we got, we grew like crazy. We got about as big as you could get in that industry. And then we re- just, re- just relaunched as the six-figure creative. And so we talked to creative freelancers who provide services. That's our main audience. We got people outside of that as well. But the big pitch for this podcast is, guys, we have to listen to other creatives because photographers are doing a better job than we are over in this area. And vi- videographers are doing a better job than we are in this area. And one of the things that our podcast did effectively is our entire industry didn't know what a CRM was. Really? Until we start, so we, until we started this podcast. Yeah. So we're talking CRM and we sound like wizards. Like, well, we just <laughs> learned about it from other people. When you said, Mike, look at best practices in your industry, I, re- I was thinking through this. Most creatives, a lot of industries don't have best practices yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> at all. So really, sure. if you do the bare minimum, you're differentiating yourself from a lot of people, at least in our world, which is kind of the advantage we have is we're not over, we're not like the business niche where it's so competitive and everyone's trying to stand out. It's, it's actually a lot easier to stand out in our world than it is in the other worlds. But I do want to Love touch it. on one something is that is, look, it's great to learn from what Mike says, but go look at what Mike does. Go look at his website, <laughs> uh, which is which is a great example. We'll have a link in our show notes page. It's a great example of differentiation. If you hover over all the photos, the hero photos at the top of your website, every book has its own unique photo that kind of ties in with the theme of the book. Your, your social proof photos are hilarious where everyone else might be in front of a Learjet, oh, yeah. might be in front of these big celebrities. You literally have a, a photo of you watching Oprah on TV right. and it says right. foot in front of Oprah. <laughs> you in the crowd of 10,000 people, like you circled this little tiny little the guy in the corner, pixel in the top yeah. corner and said, this is me shouting to Tony Robbins from across hey, the stadium. Like, you're just doing all sorts of funny things to stand out. Even if in the footer of your website, you're like, if you love me, click here. If you hate me, click here. And the hate me thing links to like an anger management thing on like some <laughs> psychology website. Like it's, you do, 
Yeah, I call it stupid, but it's like it's clever and it's funny. And it also builds you up as someone who's different in this really crowded business niche. And I think a lot of people can learn from that, that you you're not afraid of looking maybe a little stupid, but it comes across as completely uh, personal. It's authentic. It's authentic. Thank you. You said the word afraid. I think that's the magic word. The reason most people don't market effectively is because they're afraid. It's ironic. We want to stand out by not standing out. We want to be differentiated without having to be different. And they don't, they don't work. So there's a risk. We put ourselves out there and what are people going to say? And listen, oh, this is a true story. So yesterday I'm doing a keynote at this event in Florida. And afterwards I went to the gym to like do some like running and stuff. Well, ends up someone at the conference, it was about 200 people in the room, came into the gym, didn't see me there. And he was sitting or ends up on the a running machine right in front of me. So his back is to me, he doesn't see me. And he's just walking. He hops on a phone call. On the phone call, he starts going through all the speakers. He's like, oh yeah, the speakers today. And he starts going through one after another. I'm like, oh shit, I'm on this list here. And then he goes, oh, that guy, Mike McCallowitz. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. He was fine. His energy <laughs> was there, but I, you know, the content is really weak. It was so funny, this critical feedback. But I think the power was when I was on stage there and the website you see, and I'm just, I'm just being me. And I also know that means some people will love it because they're like, oh, this guy's like me. And other people are like, he's just fine. Or other people say he's a total freaking idiot. Unless you put yourself out there authentically, Two things are going to happen. First of all, you're not going to polarize an audience. Therefore, no one's going to care about you. When people love you and people hate you, 
the people that love you start rallying because there's people that hate you. So it's actually a great thing. You need that kind of bipolar thing. But the other thing too is like, it, it just feels slimy. Like that's not being yourself. Like I, I, I've never hung out with Oprah. If I, if I got a picture with her, like to, to put out the charlatan things, like look, me and Oprah hanging out for half a second at the step and repeat picture. No, no. So I'm like, the, the reality is I don't know Oprah. She has no clue who I am and never will. So let me, let me make that very clear. And for the right community, it, it resonates. And you're like, this, this is my guy. So how do you balance, how do you balance being different without going too far the other direction of, of just turning away people because you're trying so hard to be different? Dude, great question. So in the book, Get Different, I, I write out, there's an acronym, DAD. It's so, so simple to remember. D stands for differentiate. The second part of effective marketing is A, it must attract. The last stage is direct. You must tell someone what action you want them to take. Well, the attractor factor is, is the key. You have to speak to what target audience wants to hear, what their problem is, what entertains or educates them. But it also must be aligned with you. So there's this concept out there called pivoting. And, and I want to call bullshit on it um, before you guys say, oh, I love pivoters. No, I, I call bullshit <laughs> on pivot. And, and here's why. Pivoting tells us you have an offering, whatever it may be, but customers aren't buying it to the level you need it purchased. So ask your customers what they want. Adjust your offering to serve that customer. And if it's still not satisfied, keep adjusting until they're satisfied and buying. That mm -hmm. part makes sense. The problem is many people pivot into a business that they loathe. I, I hate what I do. I, don't, I never intended to do this. So the argument is not to pivot, but to align. Alignment is saying true to ourselves while also adjusting to cater to customer demand, but still loving what we do. Because, oh, preach. Yeah, here we go. The Lord Jesus says, do what you call to do. <laughs> I mean, you got to do. The thing is, you want customers that love you're doing what you love to do for them. They love you for that. Mm. And that community exists but it requires this alignment. So in your marketing, you can put it out that way. Be authentically yourself. Admittedly, I accentuate my uh, idiosyncrasies is a hard word to say. I accentuate them, but they are truly me. The biggest compliment, and this is a technique you can do too, is to reach out to your past friends and say, hey, is this me? Does this sound like me? Or even easier, reach out to people you haven't talked to in a long time and say, what are the things you remember about me that made me different? Get the list of like from five or 10 people and you'll see over your Years of life, your true authentic friends will have the same assessment of who you are five years ago and 10 and 20 years ago. And that's who you should be today. All right. So you, you, you mentioned the dad framework, which is mentioned in your book, uh, which I don't think I've actually said the name of your book yet. Your book is called. Oh, check this out. I talk about get, this is total marketing right here. Get different. Oh, oh my you got gosh. the multi-cam. Yeah. yeah. I got the whole thing going on. This guy is everywhere. <laughs> so. True professional here. If you're watching this on YouTube, then you know what we're talking about. If you're listening on the podcast, then you need to go watch this on YouTube because we're a video podcast now. Awesome. So that's the book. And DAD was uh, differentiate, attract. But the third thing was direct. I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit. What does it mean by direct? So you've, you've differentiated, you've done something weird or wacky, but still within the framework of your audience, you've attracted them in your world. They're engaging with you in some way on social media or an ad or on content you've created. Now, what does the, the, the direct mean? And I just want to put a little asterisk. It doesn't have to be like weird or wacky. It just, it just has to be unique and different. You can be the uber professional in the market where everyone is the weirdo and wacky. The last D stands for direct. And direct is to give specific, explicit direction, telling the prospect exactly what to do. Now, the caveat here is it must be safe and reasonable. Meaning, maybe I sell cars and I can say, hey, you know, give me $100,000. I'll get your dream car. You'll be like, who, who are you? What? 
So if I'm a car salesperson, the next appropriate step likely is to get your permission to communicate with you. So I may simply say, would you be willing to give me your cell number? I'll send you pictures of the inventory we have now as new inventory comes in, anything matches your interests, you can just text me back and say, I want it. Now I have that permission to market to you. And that's a safe, reasonable step. Now there's a balance here. I don't want to move so slowly that I never get to the transaction. You buy the car elsewhere, but I don't want to go so quickly that you're overwhelmed and you get go into a fight or flight state and say, get out of here and go somewhere else. So the direct stage is, it's kind of like the Goldilocks. It's got to be just right, that porridge. You want to move the customer forward consistently and persistently toward the transaction, but not overwhelm them. So I look at this a lot like dating. I use that analogy a lot in these sorts of conversations. And this is where if you move too quickly, you're going to scare the, the person off that you're trying to date. And if you move too slowly, you're going to be stuck in the friend zone for the rest of your life. So it's finding that balance between asking for the number but not being so forward that they slap you in the face because you're just a creep. Right. Right. That's exactly. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't dated in so long. I don't even know what dating is anymore. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah. So Mike, is there anything else that we, we, we can chat about with your book that, that is going to help our audience kind of decide whether it's going to be the, the book for them because we're huge fans of everything you've put out so far and we own most of your library. Thank you. The last thing is that, that marketing, um, effective marketing is not a marketing plan as much as marketing experiments that turn into plans. I think many business owners that I was studying go in and say, well, everyone else is doing Facebook. Let me start doing Facebook. And industry best practice, that's dangerous. They make this investment and it, it, just, it, it just starts blowing out money and it's not serving them. Experiments are where we try out new marketing ideas at the smallest level with the least investment of time and money just to see if it gets traction. There's a way to key it, meaning make sure that's working. And then once something works, you amplify it. But if it doesn't work, it's just an experiment not to do when you try something new. Can you give an example of maybe one time where you tried an experiment that didn't work at all and then a time when you experimented and said, this is where I'm going to go all in? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'll give you an example. So here's one I'm testing out right now. I'm going to find out if it works. I call it Wi-Fi marketing. I noticed, I, I was traveling you know, recently again and uh, noticed that when I get on an airplane or an event that uh, they'll have the Wi-Fi for whatever airline you're on. But also someone will have like a joke pass, like a joke Wi-Fi access point says the CIA or something. It's like, oh, that's so funny. So <laughs> I was like, it was the first time it was funny, but now I see it all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I get a little bit facetious. But I was like, oh, I, I bought an access point and a battery. It literally cost about $25. And so I plug it into this battery and I set my access point, this Wi-Fi access point to say, buy, get different on Amazon. Like the directive. <laughs> So you, you hop on an airplane. So I have this running, you hop on an airplane and I see people going on there like, what is this? This isn't United. The whole airplane is seeing my book. So th that's an active. Yeah. Thank you. That's an active experiment. I'm doing, um, people have come up to me now and said, dude, do you know this conference is promoting your book on the Wi-Fi network? I'm like, really? So I was going to ask if you do that at conferences. I do that's, everywhere. that's brilliant. Oh, so I walk in with my bag before I, you know, in the morning before I speak and I go to the uh, AV guy or gal and say, Hey, do you mind if I leave my bag here? Cause I'm one of the speakers. Like, fine. There's my Wi-Fi point access point. <laughs> well, I'll tell you here, here's one that worked. Went to a local gym here in our little town in New Jersey. There's three little studio gyms, former retail spaces. They all have window space. Everyone has a before and after picture of their clients. Best practice. I'm like, this, this will not work because it's a blur. We don't see it anymore. So mm -hmm. I went to one of these gyms. I said, will you be willing to try something different? And what we got them was the funhouse mirrors that make you look like, you know, different, like an alien. One that makes you look really short and squat. Another one that looks, makes you look lean and tall. And on the short and squat one, it says before. And the other one says after. We have it pasted <laughs> above that. And, and now people are walking by and we love to see ourselves. So people are doing pictures, selfies. 
in front of these. And there's a sign next to it says, we just transformed you in mirrors. Let's do it in real life. Walk inside. Foot traffic is up. So wow. that's an experience working. That's amazing. Well, everyone go check out the book, Get Different by Mike Michalowicz. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mike. Brian, thank you. Chris, thank you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. You guys rock. So that is it for our interview with Mr. Mike Michalowicz. Chris, what did you think, my man? I'm freaking swooning over here, man. You know, yeah, when we, we, Chris didn't really say it on the interview, but he, this was a... This was a uh, a super fan moment for Chris. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but it rekindled my super fandom for him. You know, Pumpkin Plan uh, was a book that really changed my life, and I, I didn't want to be a d bag and talk about it on the call with him today. I was on a on a coaching call this morning, coaching someone through Pumpkin, uh, a piece of Pumpkin Plan, and Pumpkin. That's how I pronounced it as a kid. Is Pumpkin 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 Plan? I'm pumpkin sure Mike plan. would love for you to tell it that way. <laughs> but yeah. You know, it's funny, Brian, this reminds me of when we first started talking about this relaunch of the podcast. When I originally was thinking about this, I wasn't visualizing so many interviews. And this was something that you pushed really hard. Man, I'm having so much fun interviewing these people. Mike, there was like five or six brain explosion moments for me. And it's so interesting to be doing the podcast now as like a personal education thing. I'm learning so much so fast from these people that we interview. And man, I just want to do it every day. It's so fun. You got a pretty good look inside the mind of Mike Michalowicz when he talked about the Wi-Fi marketing thing, because that's such an off the wall, weird, who would have that's thought totally of that? totally him. Yes, totally Mike Michalowicz off the wall ideas. But I just love his approach because he's, um, if, you, if you've ever listened to any of his audiobooks, he always reads them and he's, he's, he's so fun in them. And so it makes it interesting to listen to. It's not just another business book that's boring and, and like first you do this and then you do that. And then you do this. I don't know why I sound creepy when I say that, <laughs> but yeah. So full disclosure, we haven't read this book yet because it's right now it's July and the book doesn't come out till September, but we've read uh, enough of the material they gave us for this interview. And I have full confidence that the book will be amazing. And b based on his past books, because profit first, man, we didn't really even get to talk about that at all, but that is like, that is like the bookkeeping Bible for a lot of businesses, over a million readers for that book alone. So like, I, I just can't say enough good things about Mike. What's funny um, is you mentioned his book, Clockwork, about systems. And I can't believe this. I'd never heard of it. And like, as a systems guy, like that's my bread and butter. I'm reading another book called Systemology right now, but I'm going to read Mike's, I'm going to read Clockwork. So we, we recommend a bunch of books on this podcast. We're not going to mention the others today because we had Mike on today. And so we're going to stick to Mike's books today, but there are other books that we have formally pushed that help with systems. However, those are, can be pretty dry books. So with Mike, you get a lot more storytelling, a lot more personality and, and that sort of stuff. So we, we just like him because as creatives, I think we connect with that sort of weird type of personality. And I'm not, when I say weird, I just want to make sure no disrespect to Mike. Like when I say weird, it's a compliment yeah, at least coming from me. the highest order. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get many weird business owner type people, especially like at his level. So it's fun and refreshing to have that type of person, but it was cool to have him on the podcast and some of the stories he told. And, and honestly, like when authors get on like these book podcast tours, you don't get a whole lot of time with them. You get 30 minutes cut off and you're and they have to go. But like, I would have loved to talk for him for about two more hours. Yeah, seriously, man. He yeah. was just, a bundle of joy. <laughs> it was yeah. so fun. So everyone go check out Get Different. If you look at the title of the book, you hear the title of the book, you think that's weird. It's because it's on purpose. Like it's the book title is different on purpose because he talks about differentiation in that book. And I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of creatives who struggle to stand out. And, and I love what he said, how you don't have to be weird. 
You just have to be different. Different doesn't mean weird. And there's something we didn't get to actually talk about on the interview. He talked about how being different isn't a one-time thing. It is a constant practice. And I think that I forget that sometimes. Like I might set my ways and get a system in place. And then this is how I do things from now on. And I never stray out from that and try differentiating or innovating. And that's the danger you get as you get more and more entrenched in your business is getting stagnant and not pushing forward and doing new things. And then someone else, someone else comes in with something new or different or they do some twist on what you're doing and then they take it all away from you. So I, I just love to have this kind of reminder from someone like Mike to come on the podcast and kick my ass into gear. Yeah, you know, I, I kept thinking this while he talked about industry best practices. And I thought about the different industries that I've worked in and how, especially in sort of the music industry, you notice that the best practice to set yourself apart is to not follow best practices. <laughs> and that's hilarious. That's hilarious that, I was thinking about this today, the word differentiate. I was on a coaching call today and was just thinking about how challenging it is to get people to embrace this idea of differentiation. And then it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks that like the subject, differentiation is a subject unto itself. And that's what Mike's book is about, is not taught in schools. It's antithetical to what a school does. A school is a system that teaches everybody the same stuff for the most part until you get to the really, really, really high levels. But man, that's so, that's so interesting. One of the foundational aspects of business, of, of entrepreneurship, of capitalism, is you provide a value that nobody else doesn't, so people hire you to provide that value. The only way for that to work is for you to provide value that nobody else does. And in order to do that, you have to flout best practices. You have to do something nobody else is doing. We need a, mom, like a name for what that moment is, but I remember when I first had my idea for my mastering company where I had this, you know, before and after player. And at the time, nobody else had that. I searched the whole internet, couldn't find anything like it. And I told one of my mentors about this idea of like, I'm going to market myself with this before and after player because people will be able to know what mastering is quickly and enjoy the process when they go on my website. And I'll, I'll never forget. My friend was like, that'll never work. <laughs> what a good friend. Is he still your friend? Yeah, we still talk every once oh, in a while, okay. but he was like, you know, an older guy uh, that had, had done a lot more than I had at the time. And I look back at that and I, I didn't, I didn't believe him. I didn't trust him. And I've got a, all kinds of authority issues based on a number of things in my life. And those were beneficial to me to just be like, well, this guy who knows his stuff has told me I have a 0% chance of success. I don't agree. I'm going to do it anyways. You have to be a little crazy, differentiate. And you have to be willing to put up with people who know what they're talking about. I'm doing air quotes here saying, well, that will never work. That's just not how quote unquote things are done. You just want to shake people and be like, go read history books. People doing things in a way that no one else has done them before is the way humanity has and will always move forward. It is the story of our species. So Mike in his book, in the excerpt that I read, he, he has this part in it where he says, why do we gravitate towards the so-called tried and true marketing methods? At the heart of it is a fear of standing out. Better is not better. Different is better. And I think he's, he's speaking to so much of what you just said there. And Brian, uh, read that one more time. Yeah, dude. So That's I, medicine it's worth, for my soul. Yeah, it's worth repeating. So why do we gravitate towards the so-called tried and true marketing methods? At the heart of it, it's a fear of standing out. Better is not better different is better. I think this goes back to, I think he talked about it early in the, in the interview, this like cave caveman brain that we have where we, 
we ignore all these things and, and, and so we can focus on like what is actually important and like the sound of a tiger who's about to pounce on us or something. I don't know. That was an example. He, he said somewhere that I read or he said, anyways, we also have this, this part of our caveman brains that, that fears being different for, for the potential that will be cast out of the group. So we've talked about on the podcast before where if, if someone, you know, wasn't being a good team player back in the day, you know, when we were in caves and small tribes that they would oust you and it was as good as a death sentence because you couldn't survive without your tribe. And I think it's this, a similar type of fear we have now when we're trying to differentiate and trying to stand out that that fear holds us back because we don't want to be cast out from, from the crowd, even though stepping away from the crowd and being what Mike said, polarizing is actually a good thing. Yeah. And I think this brings up like an, an interesting idea here is that people spend a lot of time thinking about the psychology of marketing. Why does marketing work? Why, why do companies run commercials on TV and the internet? Because it works. But I think what's more important as far as psychology and marketing goes, what's more interesting to me is what's going on with the psychology of why people with great services don't market. That fear that he talked about, this fear of standing out and what you're talking about here, we're talking about some old school, hardwired, like this has been part of what it means to be a human for millennia. And now it doesn't make as much sense. It's not a survival advantage to blend in with the crowd. It's much more advantageous to stand out in some way. And I'm fascinated by that psychology, especially in regards to, you know, Mike talked about fight or flight that you can what are the three things that you can grab someone's attention with? Something that's dangerous, something that's an opportunity, and something that's a, that's surprising. Man, that that's so interesting because that not to, I'm not going to like talk about this for ten minutes, Brian, because I know you'll edit it out. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> but, we're, we're, the guest is gone. You can talk as yeah. long as you want now. But yeah, that, that's what he's talking about is something I've spent so much time on over the course of the last year and a half as I learned about PTSD. PTSD is something you know. He talks about the the main purpose of the brain is to filter out irrelevant information. That is what sucks about PTSD, is you don't filter out irrelevant information properly, and the irrelevant information triggers your fight-or-flight response. And I, I imagine that also affects your ability to mentally get through certain fears you may have that are not based in reality. Absolutely. And, and, and specifically talking with your business, because obviously like it affects your personal life, but also affects your business life and your marketing and the services you do. Like it can affect a lot of different areas. So that's why, you know, we'll be talking about mental health and some other things on some other episodes in the future. But it's, it's definitely worth mentioning here that fear can be based from so many things, from trauma, from something that somebody said to us in sixth grade that, that stuck, stuck with us forever. Like these are the types of things that hold us back as fully grown, mature adults that are still affected by that bully in third grade who punched us because we were being weird. Like that's what's holding us back from being differentiated. You know, what's so annoying is we just spent like a, the whole weekend together in Nam, and then you go and say something beautiful like that. And I want to give you a hug, but I'm <laughs> like, that's that what you just said sounds so simple. And it sounds like something you just want to gloss over. Like, Oh, your childhood uh, still affects you to this day. Like look around you. That, that is the whole freaking planet yeah there's a That's, reason that there's a reason yes. that when you talk to a psychologist they immediately go to your childhood <laughs> yeah it's so powerful and they're man i tell you for me as i've spent the last year and a half my number one focus hands down has been my own mental health and i am 
way beyond where I ever knew I could ever be from a mental health perspective. And my gosh, it's so liberating, not just in my normal life, but when I go and sit on it to work, the ability to recognize that's a distraction. Ooh, I'm doing that to feel better about myself. And that's why we're talking about this now, because this perfectly ties into what Mike was talking about on this interview, where if you're trying to differentiate, but fear is holding you back from doing that, it might be time to do some self-exploration to see why that fear is there, because it's there for a reason. And until you overcome that, and until you discover what that reason is, it's going to be hard to, to get past it and differentiate. Bingo. And let me say, I think the most important thing I've ever said on this entire podcast, the point of what Brian is saying is overcoming your fear doesn't mean learning how to effectively ignore it. Overcoming your fear means diving in and experiencing it and feeling it and understanding the why and re-experiencing those emotions and processing them with an adult brain. Wow, dude, you sound so woo-woo right now, man. I don't know if I can listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> this this <laughs> saved my life, man. No, it's true. Like, it's true. This it's is, so this is true. not woo-woo crap. This is like, as entrepreneurs, we have to take our mental health seriously. Yeah. As creatives, we have to take our mental health seriously. And I think for a lot of us as creatives, the, the fear and these issues that we had as children drove us into the creative industries. And they gave us that initial fuel, those, that initial spark to begin to do awesome creative work. But that spark can also burn the whole house down. And okay. that's where I think understanding your own fear, getting into therapy, you know, I'm a, if you've got lots of childhood stuff going on, I'm, EMDR therapy to me is just like, it, it gives me so much pleasure to just even say that when I know there's an audience listening of like, bro, that stuff is magical and it's fast. And you get in there and you process so much more quickly than just like, tell me about how you feel about your mom. Like there's some psychedelic. That's where, no they, that's where they like tickle the camera with feathers, right? ASMR. No, but that's, that's my next business. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be offering ASMR, ASMR EDMR uh, yeah. services. So. Okay. That would actually it, probably work. Actually, um, it might. It might. I, you could just. Okay. I'm not doing that, guys. I'm not. This, this I'm is not the therapist. sign. This is the sign to wrap this episode up. I it's think. true. It's true. We've started talking about uh, feathers. Sna true snake oil. Yeah, true <laughs> snake oil. Exactly. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll be back at you next Tuesday morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. for the next episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. Until then, thank you so much for listening. 